Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you from Pop Culture Cosmos. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, and of course, the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe. Please subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos, Pop Culture Interview, PC Multiverse, State of Pro Wrestling, and more. So go ahead and check it out today by subscribing on YouTube, liking us on Facebook, and all the things that we do right there for you. And if you like us on Facebook, you'll get the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day right there for you at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without a good friend, and she is back in our good graces once again it's a good friend indeed. You got to go ahead and check her out today when she's biting into the neck of somebody, maybe a cowboy or two at Vampires and Vitae, Wild Beyond the Witchlight with Wizards and Wine, and everything that she does for us at the tabletop realm of Pop Cosmos. A good friend indeed. You got to go ahead and check her out when she does all that great stuff. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Melinda. Great to have you back. Know that uh, I've been talking to Josh. I had the state of pro wrestling with John Orlando. A lot of good stuff to talk about in pro wrestling and all that. That's great and all that. But it's pop culture on the marquee, so it's pop culture. We'll talk about indeed. Yes. Um. So vampires and Vitae episode two just dropped today. Uh, if you mm-hmm. prefer it, the uh, podcast format, so you can check that out. And um, I am happy to let you know that uh, Wizards and Wine um, superstars Mandy and Colin, uh, who play Amaryllis and Les in uh, on the show, um, they are graciously uh, learning how to edit our audio. So uh, once they are caught up to speed, I know they've been working on a couple of episodes, uh, and I've been doing my best to to teach them the ways. My young Padawans, mm-hmm. and. Um, as soon as they've got a couple of episodes under their belt, uh, we're going to be back to releasing Wizards and Wine on a regular basis in podcast form. So uh, we're really excited to uh, get everything back on track there. Cool, cool, cool. And again, if they want to check it out, it's a Western motif this time around. Got a chance to check out the first episode. Still trying to catch up with the second one because it dropped this morning. But again, some cowboys may be getting a little bit bit on the neck there, partner. Yeah, true story. Uh, we had um, when you so every time in, in Vampire the Masquerade, we'll just talk just for a quick second about it, because I think it's interesting and it's it's a really cool mechanic and it had dramatically changed um, what we had planned to have for the episode. So um, everybody, every time you wake up in the, the world of Vampire the Masquerade, you do what's called a rouse check. And if you roll a six or under, you gain a point of hunger. Unless you roll a one on that D10, that's called a critical uh, failure. Mm -hmm. And when you roll that, what happens is you have uh, like a bestial uh, reaction. So um, 
you you basically I have lose a bestial it. reaction every morning when I wake up. <laughs> right, right. But so um, that happened to one of our characters. It happened to Barnaby. And uh, you kind of see the other three characters scrambling to keep things under wraps. And um, Alistair makes some pretty smart moves. And um, then you have uh, Rose and Walt, a.k.a. Rusty, uh, who are just trying to to keep things in you know quiet and contained in those last two cars uh on the train so um it's it kind of i think a little bit of foreshadowing um that we didn't expect to have happen in the episode about how difficult uh it's going to be once we actually get to our little train town uh in the west so um the really interesting stuff uh interesting philosophies uh, were shared all kinds of really cool stuff so uh, if you have some time absolutely please do us a favor and check it out we'd really appreciate it once again it is the pop culture cosmos right here for you but yes please go ahead and check out the vampires of vita today wherever you get your podcasts but my friend so much to talk about in the realm of pop culture I could avoid getting into an argument now with you on Xbox and the FTC. Do you want to get it through over now, or do you want to just hold off until later? You tell me. No, you know, let, let's kick it off spicy. Let's just get into it. <sighs> spicy indeed. Yeah, but let's do it. One of the, uh, well, actually, it is the biggest thing right now going on in the video game industry right now. It is the current court case with the FTC battling it out against Xbox over the acquisition, proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, which should have taken place and happened a long time ago. And it is still not as of yet because there's still a decision yet to be made. But in the process of this court case and this court battle, Seemingly all this drama and juiciness and all this good stuff that we probably would have never known about as, I guess, uh, gamers and fans and individuals out there have all come to light. And a lot of surprising things have, have popped up right here during this trial. Uh, I got a chance to go ahead and check it out in detail. And I've, I've sent you over some updates. Uh, you know, I know the first thing that, that popped up in your head that you threw at me that I also said that, well, they kind of admitted this on the kind of funny podcast about six weeks ago, right after their presentation. And that was Xbox admitting it lost the console wars. Uh, and they've actually said, you know, and they're trying to go ahead and paint the picture of woe is me, mm-hmm. woe is me, which is actually very smart. And, you know, to paint that in portrait, they've been, you know, announcing what their you know market share is as opposed to the rest of the industry, i.e. Sony and Nintendo in the console industry. And since 2001, they have never been able to get a great market share outside the Xbox 360. In the Heights, Xbox 360 was number one in America uh, for a little bit of a stretch, I will say that. But for the most part, they have... Uh, not been on the winning side of things i think the xbox one debacle at that e3 where their messages didn't get across very well and the the sharing the disc sharing meme that went around the world of sony's uh, that uh, took advantage of of xbox's uh, overpriced failure and the disc sharing issues and things of that nature way back when cost them that generation but when it comes to this generation, because of their delays of, of Halo Infinite and other things that have come into play, plus their lack of first-party 
games compared to PS5 at this point. They have taken a backseat, admittedly, and I think that's, uh, again, they're trying to take advantage of the situation and paint the portrait of trying to equate some type of balance by and and hoping that the acquisition of Activision Blizzard will do just that, which I think it would. Yeah, it certainly would. I mean, if, you know, Chicken Little in the sky is falling. Um, you know that that's 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 kind of what I'm getting here. Um, you know, if if we don't ride this just this ship with this acquisition, then I don't know that we're gonna make it. And that just it doesn't. I just don't know that I believe it's as dire as they say. Well, again, with uh, with Xbox and PlayStation, PlayStation does have for a lot of first party studios putting out a lot of first party games. Yeah. Xbox now has a lot of studios under its belt and in the future are going to be producing a whole bunch of first party games. But again, that's going to take over the course of the next two, three years for that to happen. I think that in order to catch up, I think it does require to go ahead for them to get the opportunity to, to purchase Activision Blizzard because if it's the other way around, we would be back here again because if Sony tried to acquire Activision Blizzard, you know, Xbox would have done the same thing. Yeah, probably. I I agree with that. I yeah. Yeah. It it just it it's it feels like it's one of those it's just a business ploy, it feels like. To well, me. this is not over. Again, this has never been over Activision Blizzard. This is no. over one IP, Call yeah. of Duty, which yeah. Xbox has never outright said that they were going to make it exclusive to Xbox. But they've said repeatedly that they're going to make it uh, available on PlayStation. They wanted to make it available on PlayStation even though I don't think they should make it available on PlayStation. They they are intending to go ahead and make it available on PlayStation. They should make it exclusive, in my opinion, but they've said in court that they have every intention of going ahead and putting it out on a PlayStation format. So if that's the case, you're, you're, the case for PlayStation is already defeated by that point, but it gets even messier and uglier with some of the revelations that are continuing to go on. The PlayStation head, Jim Ryan, got off board, and him and the Activision head, Bobby Kotick, both admitted their disdain for Xbox Games Pass, which is by far and away the best value for consumers on the video game platform, which is something even you have acknowledged. You know, the fact that it is a value for consumers the disdain for it that they say that they have for it obviously tells you where their money and pocketbook are that, but also tells me that PlayStation will not be going to a Games Pass or anything resembling it that's in close in price or value anytime soon. No, I, I don't imagine. You know, it it doesn't always have to be monkey see, monkey do when it comes to Xbox versus PlayStation. It feels what like that's it? what they do all the time, but... It is a great value. It's a yeah. sensational value for over 100 games. One price, yes, it is going up here pretty soon for, to about, I think, a couple dollars extra a month, sixteen ninety nine a month in most markets or thereabouts. So, I mean, it's still a great value to get over 100 games right there as opposed to what PlayStation Plus and their different tier system, which is totally confusing. I don't even want to go right into it right now because I'm tired and it would give me a headache <laughs> when if I tried to go ahead and do so. But... You know, I just see right there some of the differences where PlayStation, again, wants to have its cake and eat it too, which I know you're a big PlayStation fan, mm -hmm. but 
in the sense of when you're the number three option and you do have a better value option to give to consumers, you should be given every opportunity to go ahead and level the playing field. And it seems like everything is being prevented in Xbox box ways. Yes, Xbox should not, you don't feel too sorry for them, nor should you because they're a quadrillion billion dollar company. And in their own admission during this trial, they said they could just outspend Sony out of business was, the, I think, the general quote that they put out there. Mm-hmm. Still, Xbox is number three and should be given every opportunity to go ahead and get a chance at number one. Yeah, but I mean, I believe that there there's a lot of different approaches that you can take to doing that. Of course, you know, taking Call of Duty and yes, yeah, saying that you're going to put it on multiple platforms for a while before it becomes an exclusive, because why wouldn't they? That's silly. Same as Diablo. I can see that becoming an exclusive eventually, because again, why wouldn't you? Why not try to level the playing field a little bit with some out-of-the-box thinking and some some true innovation? Like, where where's that room that you're always talking about that you saw at uh, the convention there a few years ago? That's gone the way of the dodo. That's probably just too expensive to go ahead and bring out at this point. I, I mean, and also they had mixed results with Connect, which, you know, came out like gangbusters. And yeah. then they tried to reiterate it again in the Xbox One. and went like that. So, yeah, I yeah, think but- that... You know, they, they don't do, you see them, they don't do much in the way of peripherals or other things. Whereas PlayStation, they have a long list of peripherals, including the one that's coming up that you're able to go ahead and stream onto a handheld that they're coming out with. Yeah. You know, they have a long list of peripherals that have failed for them. <laughs> Vita, do you know <laughs> I say more? But I really do. I, I think that uh, some good old fashioned out of the box thinking and, and some innovation technology is years ahead of, of where it was. So things must be getting cheaper to some degree for them to be able to push out some of those really cool, innovative projects that we honestly, we, the public does, isn't even aware of that they just happen to have, you know, diagrams for and haven't done anything with. But they should be allowed to go ahead and make exclusive any game under their platform that they so choose. Because I think uh, one of the other revelations was that they have planned to put every ZeniMax, i.e. Bethesda title, under their exclusive banner. So if Fallout's Elder Scrolls, Starfield, which at one time was going to be an exclusive PlayStation game. Mm-hmm. But they caught wind of that, and that's when they bought ZeniMax. So, I mean, to me, it's like all's fair in love and war, if that's the case. Well, yeah, and that's that, too, is, is kind of the, the conclusion that I'm coming to as well. If you do buy Blizzard Activision, then, you know, PlayStation fans should really be on notice because a lot of their favorite games will eventually become Xbox exclusive. And then, you know, it, it's up to the consumer to vote with their dollar and uh, decide whether or not they, they want to purchase that second console if they don't already have it. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross, along with me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. We're talking the Xbox versus the FTC trial and some of the little tidy nuggets that have come out in the wash right there for you during the course of this trial and uh, the president of playstation 
has come out and said that Starfield, which again, as I said before the break, was it going to be at one time a PlayStation exclusive, but Xbox bought the company Bethesda, and it's now going to be a play, uh, an Xbox exclusive, doesn't think it's anti-competitive, and says PlayStation will be fine. So your thoughts on that, because if he says that's going to be fine, because he has Spider-Man 2, he has Final Fantasy 16, he has uh, The Last of Us, he has Uncharted, he has you know, uh, so many God of War. He has so many different exclusives of his own that's come out in the past, you know, few years. You know, that those these are things that Xbox gamers want as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that as this divide continues to happen between the two consoles, it's it, it really is going to be the, the consumer, the video game fan um, that will, uh, you know, have to make some tough decisions. I look forward to seeing this continue to play itself out in the courts, uh, just all the stuff that's that's coming out. I do know that a decision is coming, hopefully in the not too distant future, and obviously we'll report that on the show. Uh, Call of Duty uh is worth a lot of money and that's what this is all about it's about call of duty when all said and done call of duty generated over 800 million dollars for playstation in the united states alone in 2021 so that is the reason why we are having this trial that's the reason why they're fighting them you know fighting each other in the uk and in the us is over call of duty and with that kind of money i can't blame playstation at all yeah, no, of course not. And, uh, you know, when when you have Call of Duty and that one becomes an exclusive, maybe people just don't get the new Call of Duty. I I don't know because I I'm not enough of a, a gamer to have multiple um, consoles in my house. I can't justify that expense. I don't spend enough time on it. Um, you know, as much as I love Diablo, I've only gotten my character to like level 29 because oh, right now, I know, I just don't have the time to sink into it right now. And I'm so sad about it. But, um, you know, I, with that, with that in mind, I'm certainly not going to sink a chunk of money into a second or third console, you know? Um, so I, I do think that, uh, there is a, a big portion of people who are video game enthusiasts who are probably in the same boat as I am. And, um, you know, that we're the people who are going to have to make those tough decisions. Well, you don't, you already still have another five years before the next generations believed to be started because that was also mentioned in court because he thinks the next, uh, I guess the next generation to the Xbox, uh, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, noted that it would begin in 2028. All the stuff is coming out that we would have never heard about is, yeah. is just so so surprising and it's so funny. So you know, they also said that that Microsoft could have scooped up and had the opportunity or wanted to scoop up uh, studios like Bungie. Once again, they would have tried to acquire them, but it ended up working with uh, PlayStation, Sega, Square Enix. Zynga, a whole bunch of different ones that they had. They had a list of a hundred different uh, publishers and developers that they were considering to buy at one point. They bought their more than their share, but it just shows that Xbox, even though it's in third place, wants to go ahead and try to make every effort to even up the score against Nintendo and PlayStation. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it it just it makes sense that they try to do that, and it makes sense that they're going this hard at it, really. And uh, the last but not least, these games, they cost a little money to produce. 
And yes. so much so that it was admitted in court, again, something probably <laughs> they didn't want to go ahead and release the public, but it's something we generally knew that you have to equate these AAA games too similar what you're seeing with a triple a blockbuster movie and in order to do so you need to put out the cash and the admitted cost of something like the last of us 2 last of us part 2 or whatever you want to say it cost about 220 million dollars with horizon forbidden west coming in a little bit cheaper so they must have had you know like less fancy lunches or something because it only cost 212 million what a bargain yeah. <laughs> so your thoughts on that is just, again, showing you the high price. I know the question was made to me by John Orlando in regards to how much do you think AEW fight forever, which I reviewed on last week's show in regards to how much it might've cost. I thought as a smaller entity, a brand new entity, it probably maybe if they got half that much or maybe a, a third, I think that'd probably be more what I'm looking at. But yeah, 200 plus million dollars is not uncommon for a Call of Duty or another AAA game out there. Well, yeah, of course. And I think that uh, there probably has been a little bit of corner cutting with um, just updating and giving some new DLC for those Call of Duty games instead of mm-hmm. going back and starting from scratch. So, you know, knowing that information now, all of that kind of makes sense. Perhaps it's not lack of imagination and lack of a good story to tell, but perhaps lack of a deep enough pocket uh, to really sink into a brand spanking new one. I don't know about that. Call of Duty, if it generates so much money, I think that you're able to go ahead and print out or basically put out any cash you want on it. The problem is they've got three studios. Mm -hmm. When it comes to Call of Duty, three studios. So they expect a new title every three years from this, and they rotate. So this studio brings out one year, this studio brings out the next, and then this studio brings out the next, and then they rotate. So that's how they do it as far as for Activision, because they just don't have one studio creating Call of Duty. They've got three main studios putting out Call of Duties in three successive years, plus a ton of smaller support studios, some of which actually made games on you know for Activision that they've just decided, you know what, you're just going to become a support studio. So they're no longer creating their own games. They're just supporting, in many cases, the Call of Duty empire. I just think, again, I think the cost, they write their own check. I, even though they pro- they do probably share uh, some type of, uh, as far as graphics, some type of, as far as uh, different, you know, they, they share a lot of different things between each other as far as these studios. I have a feeling that these that these games, even though they're, they're churned out every single year, they still cost quite a bit of money. Oh yeah, no, I'm. I wasn't saying that it was, you know, like a, you know, a hundred million dollar price tag versus or a guy that you know, indie one indie guy doing it out of the basement or his garage. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't mean to come across like I was implying that kind of thing going on. No, that that's not what I. Sorry, that's not what I meant to to uh, portray. But, um, I I just think that uh, you know, it's the it's the reality of what it is to produce, you know, video games, and I just don't think that a lot of people really realize. Uh, the price tag that is associated with with some of those AAA games, like you were saying. So, you know, those little surprises aside, um, I think that, uh, you know, and mm, how do I want to put it? I know a few years ago, um, one of the the largest growing demographics for video games um, was women 35 plus. 
and you know whether you're you're actually playing like a, a call of duty game or a diablo game or god of war which or, you have yet to re- have even you. come close to that that particular age group yeah <laughs> no i don't mind saying it i'm a little bit past that that's fine. oh you really i i didn't know i didn't yeah, know at no, all yeah 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 no i don't mind that um but but you know if you're if you're if you know that games like Animal Crossing or um, Bejeweled or games like that are doing really, really well with a particular demographic, then why not cater to that as well as the people who are working on things like Call of Duty? Why not open those doors a little bit more, bring more people into your console and, uh, you know, make it try to make it a little more enticing? I don't know. Maybe they have already tried it and it didn't go well, but it's just a, a thought. and. Um, you know, I, I think one that if I was in PlayStation or sorry, Xbox's shoes, I would probably try to explore that a little bit. You know what we should do? We should go and get the raw materials and start making our own consoles. We'll call it the Melinda. You know, we'll just go ahead and sell it. Melinda's a catchy name. Yeah. Just, there you go. You got your PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, and Melinda. There you go. How about that? Absolutely. Well, I, I think I think the the I think the Glassford sounds a little bit more. Uh, I think there's a little more uh, something to that, to be honest. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, all right. Actually, how about the cash grab? That sounds cash, even better. Yes. <laughs> yes, sounds even better to me. But yeah. before we head to the break, <laughs> I will say another depressing thing for everybody out there as far as gamers that was admitted is that the elder scrolls is still about five years away so you better enjoy starfield better enjoy starfield because you ain't getting anything from bethesda anytime soon and that would be i think when it comes out five years from now 2028 that'll be 17 years after elder scrolls 5 skyrim my god i it just the time has flown and I'm mad. Oh my gosh, that game still has bugs. Yeah, I, I mean, at, at what point, I guess, do you just scrap it and try to create something new and better? Well, I, Elder Scrolls is is really good despite all the bugs because it oh, yeah. has that huge open world. I mean, and it's you know, Elder Scrolls Skyrim because it went on every single platform known in existence, seemingly. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you probably have an electric pen somewhere that they tried to put it on as well. You know, <laughs> it, it garnered so many tens of millions of sales. So, yeah. you know, it's obviously proven to be a success. And I absolutely, as an Elder Scrolls fan, especially Oblivion, which I will die on a hill, as you see right above my head, is the place I would go ahead and rely on as the best Elder Scrolls game. I would, I cannot wait to see an Elder Scrolls 6, but. Uh, I might I might be dead before that comes out. So unfortunately, that's going to be several years at the best. Remember, that's not to include any game delays, which happens oh, pretty much every week in the gaming world, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems to. That's for sure. I've oh, man, let me tell you, I would have to have a game ready for uh, like what Diablo did with their test weekends. I would need to have a game developed to that point before I would start announcing release dates for it, because there's always something that's going to delay the game. So I ask you, my friend, when it sure. comes to this whole case, again, a decision is going to be made. I am more confident now than I was ever because I really thought Xbox was going to get its butt kicked at both the UK and the US. 
They've won one, they've lost one in the UK. And eventually, if, I think the UK, if the US decides to vote in favor of Xbox acquiring Activision Blizzard, they will probably relent and probably allow that to, ha- to happen in the UK as well. So your thoughts, where it stands now, now that you've heard all the dirt, seen all the things that have gone on and heard all, all the latest updates and news, where do you think it stands now with the Xbox versus PlayStation and the Xbox acquiring Activision Blizzard? I've, I've always just figured and kind of came to terms with the fact that uh, Xbox was just the deal was going to go through. Um, and, uh, you know, I was also trying to come to terms with eventually not being able to play the new Diablo because, as I've said, I'm just I'm not in a position, nor can I justify the, the cost of getting a second console. So, um, you know, it's it's I'm going to be playing Diablo four for as many years as I play Diablo three and then probably beyond that as well. Um so I, I do think the deal is going to go through. I think Xbox is crazy if they don't go ahead and make games exclusive, which upsets me. But, you know, business is business. And uh, even the entertainment world, perhaps a little more cutthroat than most. And I just think that it makes sense for the deal to go through. I feel, again, like they may be exaggerating a little bit on a few things, making because you know, you can you can point a lens at something and you can focus in on the things that sell your case the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked in radio. I saw it a thousand times um, mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, you're going to those government bodies that oversee those things and, and you can sell stuff a lot of different ways. Um, so I do think there's a touch of chicken little, the sky is falling here, um, but I, I can't see the, the deal not going through at this point. What are your thoughts out there on the Xbox versus the FTC and PlayStation battle that's going on currently that will hopefully get a decision soon? Are you siding with Xbox, PlayStation, or are you just wanting to go ahead and play some video games, which I think most people are? Yeah. Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. One half hour down, one half hour to go here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is... Melinda Barkhouse Ross, along with me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Please check out Melinda's great shows that she does today called The Vampires and Vitae. Also as well, Wizards and Wine and everything that she does for us right here as far as the great tabletop RPG games you can catch on YouTube right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos as well. But Melinda, there's still a little bit more to talk about before we head on out. Before we get into all the TV stuff that's going on, including Henry Cavill and Sarah Jessica Parker and Sarah Ferguson and all that good stuff that's going on with their shows, the second trailer for Dune Part 2 came out this week. And oh my, as you would say, it is looking really good. I cannot wait to go ahead and go back back to the universe of dune i am i i am full of many levels of regret of not seeing dune in the theater and this trailer and i know i keep saying it like i said it for john wick this is going to be the one that's going to get me back into the theater but my gosh 
this this feels like a movie that you need to see in a huge format surrounded by sound yeah like it just gosh if if a movie was ever created for you know that that larger than life experience it feels like it's this dune movie absolutely it looks Mm -hmm. outstanding i love the fact that it it goes from color to special scenes in black and white when they're in the coliseum with a unrecognizable austin butler you know i was telling my my girls as they were watching it you know what's going on with that i said that's elvis yeah that's elvis that's the dude who played elvis oh that's you know that's the uh Fjord, the nephew the one that has the ending battle with you know with paul atreides at the very yeah. end which you see little glimpses of that i mean if you've already know the story sorry we're just putting out spoilers there for you but <laughs> dune has been out for decades <laughs> now i know so, for a minute yeah yeah for a minute so <laughs> we all know what's going to happen when dune part two comes out I don't know where it leads into from there, what they will cover in the books and the universe from there, because, you know, I, I, I don't want, I've not read the books, but I think the books themselves and where the lore and the history goes from there is not as interesting as the main Dune that gets everybody in. It's kind of weird because the Lord of the Rings is more interesting than the Hobbit part of the, the whole Lord of the Rings universe. And, uh, I, I might go into a Lord of the Rings a little later on, something a little bit downer for everybody out there here in a little bit. But Melinda, your thoughts on this? They looks tremendous. Zendaya, Timothy Chalamet, Timothy, Timothy Chalamet's hair is back. Yep. You know, that should be still listed as a separate actor, as I've told you before. I'm just kidding, everyone. <laughs> but yes, Josh Brolin, uh, mm-hmm. you get to see a little bit more of his Gurney character. I mean, if you know the Dune universe, nothing comes to you as a surprise. But the way it's presented is the best it has ever looked in any format. I think, it to me, it even is better than, dare I say it, the books themselves. Because if you're wanting to see it visually, you, you as you read it, you always had this visual idea of what the universe was like. This to me seems like it's coming to life before our very eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all credit to the movie makers on this one. Uh, You know, we always give credit to, uh, for example, Henry Cavill and the Witcher series and how he um, obviously has a deep love for, um, you know, the the lore and everything surrounding the Witcher. And uh, he was very passionate about it, obviously, because we know what happened with Henry and and the Witcher. Um, But... You know, it, it's obvious to me that the people making this film um, approached it with um, respect and they approached it with like just like wide eyed wonder of how we can bring this world to life. And it just it's stunning to watch. It's beautiful movie making. And I'm so excited for the second one. I mean, whatever your thoughts are on the arrival from Denis Villeneuve, it was a very visual film to yeah. look at. It, it, the, what was in it was not very interesting, but it was a very visual mm-hmm. movie to look at. And then he just knocked it out of the park with Blade Runner. That was just absolutely sensational. And then that obviously has kicked off his his work here with with dune part one and part two and i'm just hoping that part two will close out the story just as well as part one created it for us and melinda i'm hoping you will get the chance to go out into the theaters and see it because again it is something where it is going to be a priceless 
experience to go ahead and check it out in a theater when it comes out. I, I, I usually don't overdo it. I say, if you want to go and check it out in theaters, all good. If not, especially these days with all these movies are, are, are almost looking as good on your big screen at home, but my gosh, there is a time where Dune might be needed to seen to be believed in a theater. Yeah, and I, I really do. I, I think that the second movie is uh, is absolutely um, going to ask that of people. I, I do. I really do. I think if you don't see it in theaters, you know, you're you're missing. You're going to miss a beat. I think um, because yeah, it just looks incredible. Absolutely, I, I'm just so surprised again that this first part which has done very well on Max, did not earn more at the worldwide box office and that we had to sweat it out as far as a second one, a second part for a little while there. I know you when you first started, I think we were talking about that, how the studio did not give just an automatic yeah. cha-ching for it. And you could see how much the characters or the actors, the well-named actors, because it's another, like Asteroid City with Wes Anderson's, yeah. There's a there's a laundry list of just sensational great A triple A actors coming into this movie. I mean, my my daughter was ex one of my daughters was excited that Florence Pugh. There's Florence Pugh. There's Florence Pugh, and then then are all looking at Christopher Walken saying, "Who's that old man?" <laughs> and, and I'm like, "That's Christopher Walken." <laughs> Uh, he's the emperor overseeing. That's something you didn't see in the 1984 film really a whole lot of was, uh, you know, the part that he plays in all this. And I'm thinking they're going to flesh it out that more, his role more, and also feud story more, a little bit more than uh, Sting's, you know, over the top yeah. portrayal in the original dude, which I absolutely love. Okay. If there's, I cannot stand the movie, <laughs> the original movie yeah. in the 1980s. But Sting's over-the-top portrayal was absolutely a blast. I, I just, That's the only good part of that. that uh, I wouldn't say it's good, but it was over-the-top and made it enjoyable. That, at least his part. Well, yeah, it, it was good in the same way that... A, I will kill him! I will! <laughs> it was over-the-top in a way that, like, B-movies can be great. It was so cheesy, absolutely. Oh, yeah, it was so good. It was great. Um, But, yeah, no, I, I just think that this one is going to be... Uh, a big movie that you need to see in a large format and i think that as a as anybody who considers themselves to be a movie fan i think they're going to be missing a beat if they don't take advantage of seeing this one in theaters so what are your thoughts out there on the latest trailer the second trailer for dune part two it is something my gosh that is just seen to be believed if you can if you have a 4k tv and you have a smart tv as well go ahead and try and load up youtube and check out Dune 4K, and it pops up as far as the trailers for both the first one and the second one that comes out that came out. And you'll be getting it. That just gives you a taste. That gives you a taste of what you could see on a bigger format on a bigger screen. Looking forward. And I know we sound like we're shilling for the movie theaters on this, but when we talk about it on the show, we talk about what's coming out each week and everything that's all that. But this is not coming out for until the winter time for most people. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be something that's going to be one of the biggest, hopefully, releases of the latter part of the year. But we're hoping you'll be able to attend. But your thoughts on Dune Part 2, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait. It looks so good. <laughs> Still coming out in November. I cannot wait. Why can't it be like November tomorrow? 
and we can just go ahead and check it out. But Gerald, don't waste the summer away. What are you doing? <laughs> don't do well, that. it's 104, <laughs> Melinda. I'll I know, wish I know. The... I know. You still yeah. don't want to wish the good part of the year away, vacations and all of that good stuff. I already took all my away. vacations for the summer already. <laughs> it's already behind me in the rearview mirror, so I'm good to go. Okay. So what are your thoughts on Doom Part 2? Let me know. Pop Culture Cosmos <laughs> at Yahoo.com. But before we head on out, my friend, still a little bit to talk about, including the series on max that is now getting a lot of conversation and no it isn't the idol because that ended after five episodes when it was originally supposed to be slated for six and i don't think with all the even despite the controversy and all the love scenes in there it's not going to go ahead and and continue on because i saw dwindling ratings for it so i don't hold high hopes for it because it's been so uh i guess divisive in its in reactions from fans out there one show that is getting a reactions from fans is and just like that which uh if you are part of the sex and the city all those years that it was there for hbo became a mainstay everybody followed the ladies that were going on each and every week and they also know behind the scenes the battle between sarah jessica parker uh, parker sarah jessica parker and Kim Cattrall in regards to the power play that those two ultimately Kim Cattrall walked off. I guess uh, it was supposed to be a, a reunion movie that what actually did, did take place, but a reunion movie, movie I guess uh, without her. And then it became, I never want to be part of uh, anything related to this again. Well, the biggest news that comes out of it, it's not any type of plot points, my friend. Or anything as far as storyline wise, it's the fact that Kim Cattrall did a cameo at the behest of the head of Warner Brothers. So, your thoughts on this? Could there ever be a way that Kim Cattrall ever appears regularly on that show again? Or do you think it's just like, okay, she did it and now she's done for good? Yeah, I, I think that that's what it is. I, I think she did it, and I think that she did it because she was asked to um, by somebody who could make it very difficult for her to get work in the future. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of that happening in the background, but maybe I'm just pure speculation on my part, but I feel mm -hmm. like there's something about that in there. But yeah, no, I, I don't think that Kim Cattrall is the least bit interested in being a, a regular on this uh, this new venture for the characters from Sex and the City. I just don't think that she's interested. And it's so sad because you have such a successful show that a lot of people love, but they do love Kim Cattrall's character. Mm -hmm. And they've always hated to see this, this going back and forth because they've been really nasty in public to each other. Yeah. And, and they do not like each other at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure they're ever going to mend the fences enough. I mean, when the cameo has to be filmed outside the regular parameters of the series and yeah. not have anyone involved outside of her in it you know it just seems like it's a very sad point where if that's the best you're going to get then uh, i just don't to me again i you lost me when you lost her i'm a kim control fan dating back to the early 80s with uh, Big, Big Trouble, Trouble Little China. Little China. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> Just, she was sensational with the girl with green eyes. And, mm -hmm. and you know, we all know about Kurt Russell in that movie, hamming it up. Talk about over the top. 
that oh. was and but delightfully over the top that oh. was the case for one again. of my top five movies it's so yeah. good Oh, just absolutely. I remember seeing the theater as a kid, and I always treasure the fact that I got to see both of them when they were really starting to make their name. And here they are all these years later, both still involved in entertainment. And to see her not being able to mend fences with Sarah Jessica Parker, I'm not blaming anyone in this whole mix, because I'm sure when you have those longstanding battles, it, you know, like we do all the time. You yeah. know, it's it's just you have to blame both party, even though I blame you for most of it. So, yeah. I mean, same here. I I often blame you for for the majority of my problems. So, oh yes, yes, we're uh... nasty to each other behind the scenes. I'm only doing a cameo on today's show for a whole hour, by the way, just to let you know. And yes. next week too, and then the yeah, week the, after exactly, that too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, the head of Warner Brothers asked me to stop back on. <laughs> we need you back on the Cosmos, Gerald. We need you back. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, at this point in the feud, it doesn't even matter who shot first. It just doesn't matter. It, it's ugly. It's nasty. It's unfortunate that two very successful women can't find a way to, uh, you know, work together on a professional level. But sometimes feuds are that deep and you can't find a way to work around them. And, you know, I think that that's a little bit of human nature and uh, probably a little bit of pettiness on both of their parts, to be honest. Does anyone really care? You know, and I'll notice, well, it is meant to disrespect in some way, Kristen yeah. Davis and Cynthia Nixon, but does really the crowd care about their lives compared to Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall? Because it seems like the series before when they were all together focused on those two and seemingly now, you know, in this new iteration, which has done well, it's in the second season. Uh, you know, it always seems to focus around Sarah Jessica Parker's character a little bit more. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that the the story was always told from that character's point of view. So it makes sense that she's a little more of a main character than even the other okay. three. But I think that... Uh, I mean, keep... I can't say I feel too bad for Kristen Davis and Cynthia Nixon. You know, they're <laughs> right. yeah, getting yeah. paid and compensated for their time. Yeah, do they're doing so. all right. Don't feel they're too bad right. about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but I, I do think, I mean, I, I don't know that I would say that because at the time, um, you know, any group of four women that you saw sitting anywhere knew which one was the Miranda, which one was the Sa uh, Samantha, which one was the Charlotte, you know what I mean? Like everybody, every group of four women had their designated uh, quote unquote roles that they play in court in accordance to sex in the city. So uh, I, I don't necessarily know that I agree with that, but they, you know, they definitely gave the more interesting <laughs> uh, and memorable plot points, I think to uh, the, the character, Samantha. Well, I'll tell you what though, it's going to be interesting to see how this continues to lay out. If people still will follow what's going on, I'm assuming they are because they've already picked up another, you know, the first season to the second season of, and just like that. So I'm assuming they're going to continue to watch it because people just love the scandalous nature of the show itself and all yeah. the things that have gone on with it. And and I guess that, you know, if you like uh, and just like that, without Kim Control, more power to you. I just think it adds so much more flavor because her character to me when I was watching it way back when was the best part of that show. It's just, to me, that's just, I was not a big fan of the Sarah Jessica Parker characters because it, it was okay it's for what it is. I understand that it's centered around her character a lot, but the Kim Cattrall character was the one that was stealing every episode. 
Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I, I felt the same way about it. I mean, the the more ridiculous of a situation they could put her in, um, you know, they it, and she reveled in it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it, it brought out a lot of really fantastic work from Kim Cattrall. So, uh, you know, I, I've always appreciated that uh, in particular about that character. So, you know, it, it is unfortunate that they can't work it out enough to work together um, in this new series, but... I'm I'm also not surprised to see Kim just say, okay, here, I'll do this. And then that's all that I want to do about it. Well, if you have thoughts on the still continuing feud between Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall, I feel like we're an episode of People magazine talking about that. <laughs> but if you have any thoughts on that and the continuing series and just like that, which is now on Max, available on Max, please check it out. Season two. Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. But before we head on out, rundown of some couple things going on in pop culture silo on apple i uh, want to make sure everybody gets a chance to see that because it's getting strong reviews i haven't checked it out myself i'm going to check it out hopefully this weekend it is a dystopian adventure really good rating so far like i said apple which doesn't produce quantity but produces a lot of quality you know i've told you a non-stop about some great shows on apple tv plus It seems like, again, this is a company that could have gone the way of Netflix and just thrown a whole bunch of stuff that's out there, but they've chosen to go ahead and make just quality shows little by little and get a little bit more market share after a little more market share. But it seems like they're just going under the radar with some really good shows. Yeah, it, it does seem that way. I, I still haven't subscribed to Apple TV myself because it's just not it's not in my budget of streaming services. I, I still think they should do the YouTube thing of just putting it on everybody's phone. And there you go. Yeah, yeah. That sure. would be a win. They would be instantly ahead of everybody else. They sure would. Yep. The Witcher season three, part one of his final season as Geralt from Rivia. Your thoughts as it already has hit Netflix and has done big numbers, I'm assuming, because everybody seemingly likes The Witcher. I'm really interested on the journey that I'm seeing a couple of the characters starting out on. And uh, I don't want to give away too much because I know that this is brand spanking new. But yeah, there, there's a couple of characters that I'm like, OK, what are you going to get up to this season? you frisky little minx let's see what happens here so uh, i'm i'm really enjoying it so far that's all i'm trying to say <laughs> okay fair enough but this it's is worth your time to... yes it, and they did do a stranger things where they split it up into two parts the first mm-hmm. part is available now the second part is available a month from now on netflix on the back end of july so they're giving you a little bit of time between each one although with everybody in netflix they just usually like you are trying to do cram it all the episodes in in one taking as best you can so 
I think that, again, when it comes to The Witcher, people are loving it. It is the last turn, though, for Henry Cavill in that yeah. role. It'll be Liam's, Liam Hemsworth. I'm interested to see the amount of viewing with Liam Hemsworth in that role when he just finally is able to go ahead and, you know, do some shoot some scenes, shoot a season, get it under the belt, and be able to show it off on Netflix. I'm assumed not until late next year at the earliest. Yeah, I, I think that they need to uh, separate it as much as possible, give it as much time between seasons as possible with this the switch of of uh, Geralt. So. I don't know. I'm I'm still not really sure how I feel about that. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm you know upset that Cavill um, felt that he had to walk away from the show, um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm just not sure that Hemsworth uh, of the Liam variety is uh, is the right person to to replace him. It just feels like shopping at Gucci and then no disrespect, but moving on to Kmart. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Well, you know, Kmart's out of business, so. Well, I, well, like I, like I said, you're online. So. Like I said, no disrespect intended. It just was trying to to make a a, a point where I, I think how it's going to go. But I've been proven wrong more than once, and I will be thrilled if I am very wrong on this one. So, what are your thoughts out there on The Witcher season three? Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Interested in seeing any feedback on that in regards to. Liam and Henry and you know hopefully Henry will find a job <laughs> like he doesn't have <laughs> yeah. stuff already lined up yeah. you know he lost the Superman job he he's already ditched Geralt of Rivia I think he's got a career still ahead I I don't think this is the end of Henry Cavill as we already know from Warhammer coming up but yes He's still got a lot of stuff he's got to do. So, yes. And Looking honestly, there's enough in the Warhammer universe that he could only do Warhammer stuff for the rest of his career, and he would be perfectly fine. We'll see. That could yeah. be the case. But find out right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and, of course, on Netflix right now, part one of season three of The Witcher. But before we head on out, I mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier. Lord of the Rings, they released their co collaboration with their set of cars for Magic the Gathering, which everybody seems to be interested in, with the one ring being the one card everybody seemingly wanted to get, which already had a $2 million bounty on it already if you found it. And I'm sad to say you nor I did not find the card. It has already been found and has already been graded. I don't know how it only got a 9 out of 10. Seemingly somebody finds that out of the box. Instantly they go ahead and if the person that did find it, it was anonymous, but the person did know what they're doing if they send it in for grading. So I'm assuming that they knew what it was and yeah. they knew how to handle it. So... I don't see how they could get in nine out of 10 if that's the case, but okay, whatever. A $2 million bounties, which I'm assuming he's going to go ahead and cash. Forget about putting up to auction. Take the safe money, $2 million, and go from there. Oh, gosh, yes. I, I mean, that's, that's a life-changing amount of money. So mm -hmm. why wouldn't you, honestly? And just because it's valued at that doesn't mean that that's all you're going to get from it because you're going to have multiple bids on that. You are. So eat that. 
Uh anyone out there that didn't think lord of the rings was still valuable there you go lord of the rings still has some value indeed are these the cards um the lord of the ring cards are they the cards that the uh that wizards of the coast sent the pinkertons to that kid's house for i'm not sure but that could possibly be it's good because it's a part of the new magic the gathering set yeah so uh, yeah i think it's lord of the rings themed they they're doing a collaboration i that could be the case but yeah, there was this, you know, you would, oh, there's only one that was made available of of the one ring. And yeah, yeah. that has now been found, unfortunately. So <sighs> on to the next one for us. Right. <laughs> right. But for, before we head on out, you know, when this drops, it will be July 4th week. And here in America and the States would be July the 4th and celebrating that holiday with the fireworks and the barbecues and the backyards. But you know, speaking to someone, the perfect person to talk to, a Canadian mm-hmm. on this, uh, in regards to Independence Day coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's, uh, you know, some things out there in pop culture people like to do. Obviously, check out movies because, you know, it's still a good time for movies and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is in theaters now, the latest to go ahead and drop. We'll see how well that does over the course and period of time. It is probably not expected to do as well. As its predecessor, the absolutely horrid movie that came out before in the series, but it was still, do, you know, going to do right around sixty million dollars for domestic and about one hundred fifty million dollars worldwide. But be that as it may, there are other things that people like to do during July Fourth celebrations when it concerns pop culture. What do you and Mr. Robbie Ross like to do around July Fourth here in the states? We barbecue. There was a pretty nice deal on T-bone steaks at Smith's, and no, no plug for Smith's intended. But uh, you know that was a pretty nice deal. So Gerald, if you haven't gotten those yet, please after this, just did make you a get your pocky sticks there with the almond crunch? Oh my gosh, no! I knew I forgot something. Dang it! I keep sending you reports on where <laughs> I see it, and you, you don't. I get love it. that you're on Pokey Watch for me. It's my favorite thing. We're also going to be celebrating Canada Day on July 1st, and uh, it will be more barbecue. We're just going to do like some classic hamburgers and hot dogs on, on the 1st. So There you go. Yeah, so it'll just happy. be Maple Leafs instead of Stars and Stripes, and then we'll swap them out. So wishing you all the best and all of our Canadian friends out there on Canada Day on July the 1st. And of course, everyone out there hoping everyone here in the States has a safe and happy 4th of July. I think that everybody should be watching Captain America movies on the fourth. Yes, I agree with you. That's, I think, is a better because at least Chris Evans is American, so it kind of fits. (laughs) I'm not saying The Patriot's a bad movie by any stretch, but, you know, Mel Gibson, the late Heath Ledger, they're Australian. It's weird when I watch it and I think, okay, it's this great story and a great telling, but it's by Australians. So, okay. All right. It's going to try and put those two together but captain america if you do captain america the winter soldier there you go uh, speaking of which secret invasion is getting a lot juicier by the episode don't want to get into too many spoilers because that's the case i know a lot of people are speculating a lot of things but secret invasion for marvel could be re-energizing the marvel cinematic universe I hope so, because it definitely needs it. It needs an infusion of excitement. I, I just, I I feel like the, how do I put it? I feel like the lack of 
expectation and excitement around the new Marvel stuff has just been weaning off and it's been happening very quickly. So if Secret Invasion is able to bring back some of that enthusiasm that we've seen through the previous phases of the Marvel movies, then it, it can't be a bad thing. I've only watched the, the first episode of Secret Invasion and uh, I honestly completely forgot about it. So now I have to watch The Witcher and Secret Invasion today. What a rough task. You're a, a taskmaster, task. man. I don't know I if know. I can get all that work done. Uh, <laughs> do your best. I will. Do I your will. Best. <laughs> so from Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful holiday for 4th of July and Canada Day right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.